0: Kia ora and welcome back to Vulnerable Spaces Project, I am your host Sarah Raya. Uh, today's topic is very heavy so this is a bit of a trigger warning before we start. Um, I touched on it a bit in the last episode but this is going to be my journey from when I was raped as a 15 year old um, until now and what I still kind of deal with at 26 years old, because of this incident. So we'll start from the start, and I'll take you on a bit of a journey through what I went through, um, and I guess the scenario of that night. But essentially, I'd asked my parents to go to a party that night, and they said yes. Mum said that I was allowed four vodka cruises, and me being a 15-year-old was like, I can drink more than more than four cruises, you know. Um, So I got alcohol from elsewhere as well. So went to this party. It was the middle of winter. Um, Not that it should matter, but I was wearing like tights, a dress, boots, and a cardigan. So like fully covered. Again, not that it should matter what I was wearing. But this party was outside in a paddock in the middle of nowhere, essentially. Probably about 45 minutes away from home. So mum dropped me off to this party. It was all going really well. I was getting very drunk very quick, but thought that I was fine. Kept kind of drinking. And then there was this pool table out in in the barn. And I remember sitting down on the couch and just watching people pay, play pool. And just kind of slowly fading out and fading back in and fading out and fading back in. And then had a few people come and ask me if I was all good. And I was like, yeah, yeah, all good. Just real tired. And then... Next thing I know... I woke up in the middle of a paddock... But naked with a guy on top of me. And I could see the party in the distance, and I don't know if I screamed or not, but I remember trying, and I remember clawing my hands into the dirt and trying to get away, and then I woke up at home the next day. That's all I remember, Um, and apparently after that, the guy left me in the paddock, but naked in winter weather at midnight. (laughs) So I don't know how cold it was, but it must have been very cold, given that we were in the middle of nowhere. And he went back to his friends and bragged about it. So his friends came and found me, and they dressed me. However, boys being boys put my underwear on top of my pantyhose instead of under, (laughs) just not really knowing how they go, I guess. Um, That will be relevant soon. Uh, My friends took me into the bath at um, the parents place and just put me in there in case, like, so I didn't choke on my own vomit and they waited for my mum to arrive because my friend had called my mum and just said that I need to go home. My mum arrived and I don't remember any of this, but apparently I was very adamant that I didn't want to leave and was trying not to go home. They finally got me in the car mum drove me home and apparently I just vomited all through her car Um, she put me to bed and she slept in my room because I had quite a few signs of alcohol poisoning so I really wasn't in a good state anyway I finally woke up in the morning and I went to go to the bathroom and at this point I hadn't realized what had happened and when i went to the bathroom it hurt and i was like what the heck and i just kind of carried on and i was just like okay maybe i have a uti you know um didn't remember anything and then i left my bag in my friend's house where the party was and apparently when they were trying to put me in the car i was swearing at my friend's parents saying that i don't want to fucking go or i don't want to do this or i don't want to do that so which isn't me, I'm not that kind of person, so mum was like, we're getting in the car, we're going back, you're going to apologise to the parents and grab your bag. I was like, okay, cool. And then we got in the car and mum asked me why my underwear was on top of my pantyhose and just all of the flashbacks came back. And I was just like, oh, my pantyhose kept falling down, so I just switched them over. Because I didn't know how to say what had happened. I didn't really understand what had happened either. And in my mum's mind, I'd had sex but kind of regretted it and didn't want to talk about it. However, I thought that that was me telling her that something happened and that I hadn't consented to it. However, obviously our communication had failed there. So... That was really, really tough. Mum kind of found out a few years later when I brought it up and she felt really bad that she didn't understand and I felt really bad that I hadn't told her properly. Um, So that was a big conversation that we had and she was incredible support for me and I was really scared to tell my dad what had happened because I just, I know what dads can be like when it comes to their little girl, you know. But anyway, we drove back to my friend's place, and every couple of minutes I got Mum to pull over so I could vomit. <laughs> um, took us a while to get there. Got there, apologised to the parents, um, and went to go get my bag that was out of the barn. And I just said to my friend, someone took me into that paddock last night and did something to me. Who was it? And she told me who it was. Um... And that morning, I'd had a friend request for him from him on Facebook. Um, and I accepted it. And the only reason I accepted it is because I felt safer that way, because I knew where he was, I guess. Um, but as, as I mentioned in my previous podcast, I went back to school and no one really knew what had happened. Everyone thought that I'd sleep with someone a few years older, and I was the slut, you know. Um, So that was really difficult to come to terms with, and I didn't know who to tell, or whether I should tell people, or what was going to go on. And I... Yeah, I I didn't want to go to the police, because I worried about his mum, and her emotions, and her feelings, and... I just didn't know how to go about it, I guess. And then from there, me and my best friend at the time, me and her were at one of our friends' houses and it was me, her, and probably about eight guys, and this guy happened to be there as well. And I remember he looked me dead in the eye, knowing exactly what he'd done. And was just like, Hey Sarah, how many of our dicks do you think you can fit in your mouth? And that just made my blood boil, because like he just had the audacity to say something like that, that to me after what had happened, um, and whether I consented or not, one, I was under age, he wasn't, two, I was very drunk so I couldn't consent anyway, and three, halfway through I remember trying to get away from him, so... Even if I had consented at the start, by that point he should have known that I didn't want to be there. Um, And the fact that he went back to brag to his mates really made it hard. So from that day, water is my safety. And so baths are my safe place. I feel, whenever I feel dirty or anything when I think about that, I need to have a shower or a bath or something like that and so up until this day there's been times where I've had up to nine or ten showers a day just because I feel gross um, it kind of increases closer to when it happened um, I guess the anniversary I guess you could say of when it happened um, which is really hard sometimes you know, especially if you're going to go stay at a friend's place and, you know, you kind of only have one shower before bed or when you wake up and your whole body just feels like it's crawling in this disgusting feeling and there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, I have managed to cut them down a bit, but that's one thing that continues to, to, I guess, affect me nowadays, even 11 years later, um, I started getting really bad sleep paralysis, I got that up to 7 or 8 times a night, um, and it was always some form of like me being trapped underneath someone, and either choking or suffocating, Or and if you know about sleep paralysis, you know that you can't move in that moment, and you see very clearly what's going on and it feels so real and your heart is racing and you're trying to scream for help and you just can't. And every time I had that, I just went straight back to that night. And it affected me. It affected everything that I did. and from there, I guess I viewed myself as an object. I had no self-worth. I thought if someone can do that to me, then obviously, you know, I'm not worth it kind of thing. And so I slept with quite a few people. I was drinking more. I was self-harming. I was suicidal. And it all came down to the fact that I didn't feel good enough. You know, I, I felt like I had been objectified. And I continued to feel that way. And I thought every time that I slept with someone that it was never love. It was never because of this connection between us. It was because they wanted to have sex and I was there. So that was a massive thing that I kind of had to overcome. But I went to counselling and initially when I went to counselling, it helped a bit. Um, But I don't think I was quite ready to fully heal or fully accept that it wasn't my fault. But... I went back to counselling. My counsellor's incredible. Um, If anyone in Christchurch wants a counsellor, I can give you her details, Um, but I highly recommend her. She has saved me, essentially. She has changed my whole life around. And yeah, and and so I went to counselling again a few years back. And we did a few sessions and they were under ACC, which was really nice. And one of the tasks that she got me to do, she has three hula hoops. And she has child Sarah, adult Sarah, and parent Sarah. And she got me to stand in child Sarah circle. And so I did. And she said, cool, explain to me who child Sarah is and I guess her characteristics. And so I went through the bubbly, outgoing, playful, loves life. Has an awesome family. Just went through all these like positive things, I guess. Just this childhood. And then into adult Sarah. And adult Sarah was broken and hurt and lonely and destroyed and depressed and suicidal. And just all of the negative emotions. And she was very good at masking those emotions. And pretending to be bubbly and pretending to be happy. And... Then she got me to send to parent Sarah and she said, you know, if parent Sarah was with adult Sarah right now and knew what had happened to her, how would she treat her? And I was like, with love and care and she would explain that it wasn't her fault and it kind of made me think about my own son and that God forbid anything like this ever happens to him, but how I would feel for him is how I felt for my younger self, um, which which was a really powerful thing, and so a few sessions after that, she got me to do some visualisation, and so I closed my eyes, and I went back to that place, and so I guess it was parent Sarah walking into this vision, I guess, with the young 15-year-old me, still sitting in the spot that it happened. And it was dark, and it was cloudy, and it was stormy, and it was cold. And she was just sitting there, cuddling her knees, crying. Just crying. And so, in this vision, my adult self walked over to... Sorry, my parent self walked over to my 15-year-old self. And I just sat with her. And I just... We didn't talk about anything in particular, but I just sat with her, and I just explained that it does get better, and that we are going to make it through this, and then I went to give her a hug, and the parent Sarah, sorry this is really hard to describe I guess, but the parent Sarah, who was hugging 15 year old Sarah, was looking one way, and it was this beautiful blue sky day you know summer's day and me and my son were holding hands and playing but the way that 15 year old Sarah was looking was just dark and gloomy and scary and lonely and so parent Sarah turned 15 year old Sarah around and she just showed her that it gets better and so I just left her there and I said I'll come visit you soon And I walked away holding hands with my son, knowing that I've left her in a place where she can see that it gets better. Um, And my counsellor told me, you know, if I want to go back into that visualisation when I'm at home by myself, I can. Um, However, I didn't feel comfortable doing that because I didn't know how powerful my brain would be, I guess, and I wanted her guidance. And so the next time I saw her, we did it again and I saw 15 year old Sarah and I kind of walked her into this light and into where me and my son were and introduced her to him and explained how things get better and that was kind of it we kind of just sat in the sunshine and just talked and then the third session that we went to parent Sarah said to 15 year old Sarah let's go for a walk on the beach and just talk to me you know let's let's share both of our sides of the story and let's go from there and so in this vision parent Sarah was walking with 15 year old Sarah and I just said whatever you need to tell me tell me you know and 15 year old Sarah just burst into tears and she just said that she felt lonely and trapped and unheard because I was suppressing all of those emotions and she felt like it was her fault and that she was a bad person and that she's ruined my life and, you know, that she's so suicidal and depressed and upset and there's just this anger that's building up inside of her that she can't control and that she's really scared that one day it's just going to let loose, I guess. And then... She said, what about you? Like, where where are you coming from? And as an adult, I just said, you know, I used drugs and alcohol and distractions of seeing my friends and going out and doing things that were dangerous um, was my way of hiding from those emotions. And I was like, I have pushed all of your emotions down and I have not listen to you, and tried to hide you. However, I'm ready to embrace this part of me. I'm ready to understand that it wasn't my fault what happened to me. And I'm here to love you, and I'm here to love every piece of you. And any part of 15-year-old Sarah that needs love and support and holding and just to cry and to weep and to feel whatever she needs to feel, I'm here for her, and I'm going to allow her to do that now. I'm not going to suppress those emotions and I'm not going to stop myself from crying and I'm not going to do drugs or drink to numb that feeling. I'm going to just work through that feeling with her and just sit in that moment. And then parent Sarah turned around to 15-year-old Sarah and we hugged. And as I hugged her, as I hugged her, she vanished and... I just felt this really massive weight come off my shoulders. And it no longer felt like we were two different people. You know, we were one again. And I felt whole for the first time since I was 15 years old. And I felt like it wasn't my fault. And I felt loved. And I felt... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I I just... I was crying, (laughs) the counsellor was crying while this was all happening but I'm crying now (laughs) but yeah, I just I felt like I'd fully embraced myself and from that moment I was no longer a victim I was a survivor and I loved myself and who I was and what I've been through and when I look back on it As much as it was an awful, awful, awful time in my life, I wouldn't change it because of who I am today. But I embrace that 15-year-old Sarah. And there's still nights now that I'll just lay in bed and weep. But I allow myself to do that. And I care for myself as if I would for a child. You know, I make sure that I put on my comfy PJs or get a hot water bottle or watch a kid's movie. And I just... Allow myself that time. And I know recording this podcast that it's bringing up a lot of raw emotion for me. Um, speaking my truth essentially for the first time. You know, not many people know about this. And I've allowed myself a few days to kind of recover from this, I guess. However, I wanted to share my journey and my story with you all because I know that I'm not the only one that feeling of loneliness when you're going through something like that is scary especially when you feel alone in a room full of people however I want you all to know that you're not alone and if you need someone to open up to and to talk to I will always be here and like I said if you want my counsellors details I'm more than happy to give those out she is incredible But yeah, I really hope that this hasn't triggered any of you. Um, My apologies if it has. But yeah, I just want you all to know that you're so loved, and you're so worthy, and you're not alone, and I will forever walk beside you. So, that is today's episode. Um, Can't really say I hope you guys enjoyed it, because it was pretty heavy, but... I will talk to you guys next Tuesday and I hope you have a really wonderful week. And again, thanks for all the support. I do really, really appreciate it. See you later.